It's that time of year again, spring break. Thousands of the obscenely young are migrating to places like Fort Lauderdale to overindulge their tastes for food and drink, ogling the opposite sex, and just plain lying around. It's spring break here in San Francisco as well. Sure, it's only about 50 degrees or so, but here at K-Dock and Pier 39, it's wall-to-wall sunbathers. You can see them, you can hear them, and you can smell them. No, not drunken frat brothers, California sea lions, all male, some weighing better than 800 pounds. Well, hello and welcome back to the Barman's Podcast, where every week we do a whole bunch of research to educate ourselves and you, the listener, on all things that creep, crawl, slither, fly, jump, hop, and swim on this planet, one animal at a time. My name's Paul, and I am not an animal expert. I'm Donna, and I am also not an animal expert. I have failed to become one, but today we are going to talk about the sea lion. Yes, the sea lion. sea lions. They are amazing. They're so fun. But first, the news. This is Varman's Headline News with your anchorman, some guy named Paul. Thank you, Matthew. A guy named Josh Phillips saw something weird while he was fly fishing in the Eld Inlet in Olympia, Washington. He saw a small boat tilted upward and slowly sinking. As he got closer, he saw the problem, and he recorded it on video. I did not include the the, uh, the audio from this video because there's a lot of wind noise, and it was it would drive you nuts. Right. Uh, in this video, there are two sea lions who appear very calm, with the boat beneath them struggling against the mammal's immense weight. <laughs> so how many sea lions does it take to sink a boat? Two. That depends on... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> In this case, it was two. I was going to go into a, a long explanation involving physics, but yeah, in this case, it was two big sea lions. <laughs> uh, a trip was made out to where the boat was the next day, and at the time this article was published, it was at the bottom of the Eld Inlet. That's funny. <laughs> yeah, I was going to go into a whole explanation on, you know, how much the boat weighs and how much water it displaces and then how much each sea lion weighs, but that, yeah, you just... Kinda, it's two. It's two. <laughs> <laughs> well, two big males, I guess. <laughs> I didn't mean to steal your sea lion boat sinking thunder. No, <laughs> <laughs> just cut to the chase. It's two sea lions. <laughs> and the picture is great, too, because they're just kind of looking at the camera like, hey, what's up? How's it going? What's up, dude? Yeah, but it's pretty cool, isn't it? (laughs) Always wanted a boat (laughs) of my own. Oh, Oh, that's the best. (laughs) All right, everybody. Well, I'm supposed to remind you at this point, and I'm going to try to stop giggling. (laughs) To go to varmints.podbean.com for links to our audio and our show notes for today's episode. We are also on Twitter and Instagram. At, at Varmints Podcast, all one word, and at Varmints Podcast at gmail.com for questions, comments, stories, and suggestions. I also am supposed to run a Pinterest board and haven't been able to keep up with it. 
I'm gonna stop talking about it soon if I don't <laughs> if I don't get the ability to get back <laughs> on it and, and get to it. It seems like it's not a lot of work, but it kind of depends on the temperature of the week. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I think I know a person. I think I know a, a person yeah. who can. If you help know us a out. person who would want to do I it, think I do. We could probably get that person a t-shirt or Ooh. a mug or Ooh. something like that for the yes. wonderful favor of keeping up our Pinterest board for us. Yes. And where do we get those t-shirts and mugs? Redbubble. That's right. Um, Come on over to Redbubble and put Varmint's podcast in the search engine. You will find us. We have moved our merchandise over there. Pretty cool place. And I think you're going to like their stuff. And you know you can get a clock with the logo on it. <laughs> you, can get, you, can get, you can get shower curtains with our logo on it. Yeah. I mean, I don't think we're actually going to set any of that stuff up. But if you have an interest in a clock or a... Or a shower curtain with our stuff on it go ahead and let us know and we'll set it up but uh, it's it's kind of insane it is really crazy you can get leggings leggings yes. <laughs> <laughs> crazy but anyway let's uh let's forget about that if you like our show why not tell a friend about us and introduce him to our podcast we are everywhere that podcasts are found and word of mouth is the very best way to help us grow so please do that tell us tell people to listen to vomits yes Hey, uh, let's learn about sea lions. Hey, hey, hey. let's go get educated on some animals. <laughs> I know you wanna. <laughs> I do. I do wanna. So much. So we are talking about sea lions today, of course. Sea lions are one of three marine mammals in the pinniped family. The other two are, are walruses, which we covered in an earlier episode, and seals, which will get their own show in the future. Crossfaller! <laughs> yeah, it's so much fun with that show. It's one of my favorite episodes. It was mine, too. That was a great episode. It was fun. But these guys are super fun, too. They are. They're amazing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Sea lions are large mammals with short, thick hair, large chests and bellies, ear flaps, and flippers that are used for locomotion in the water and on land. There are six living species of sea lion. The California sea lion is the one that most people are familiar with. There is also the stellar sea lion, the Australian, Galapagos, New Zealand, and South American sea lions. Uh, those are the other five species. Yes, the stellars are big. They're the biggest ones. They're enormous. They're so big. Like the females are 800 pounds. Yeah, they're ridiculous. <laughs> the IUCN conservation status of the California and South American sea lion is of least concern. However, the stellar sea lion is near threatened, and the Australian, New Zealand, and Galapagos sea lions are listed as endangered. There was also a Japanese sea lion that went, I think it went extinct in like the 70s. They were hunted and fished. Yep. To, Bye. To, goodbye. Yep. It's very sad. Yeah, it is. The name of the species tells you where that sea lion is typically found, except for the stellar sea lion. That one lives in the northern Pacific, in the Gulf of Alaska, and the Bering Sea. Yes. Which, there's a thing called Bergman's Rule, which states that the colder the environment is, the larger a species of animal tends to be. Yes. So, as you were saying, the stellar sea lion, those are massive. They're the largest sea lion. 
Adult females grow to be around eight to eight and a half feet long, which is two and a half to almost three meters, and they can weigh upwards of around 800 pounds or 350 kilograms. The males of that species grow to be about nine to ten and a half feet long, which is 2.8 to three and a half meters, and they can weigh upwards of 2,500 pounds or 1,100 kilograms. Just yes. freaking huge. They are enormous animals. Except for the California sea lion, males have lion-like manes and constantly roar to defend their harem, so they have been called sea lions since about the 1600s. Yes. Males are called bulls, females are called cows, and baby sea lions are called pups. Yes. And a large group of sea lions is referred to as a colony or a pod. Yeah. The pups are so cute. They're adorable. Well, I thought we'd talk about the, the social dynamics of the sea lion today. Ooh, okay. I found a really cool article on Sea Lion World about them. Okay. And they say the social structure of the sea lion works really well for them, but it can seem pretty chaotic to those of us on the outside. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> that is an understatement. Oh, my goodness. If you've seen videos of them. Oh, my gosh. It's taken a lot of time for people who are observing them in research to be able to break it down for us. And they are super, super social animals. They are really, really social. So you'll notice that they often live in huge colonies that have thousands of members. Thousands. They are not even kidding. It is thousands. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and so what takes place inside of it is they have a lot of little subgroups within their own that have their own hierarchy within them. So they move around within these subgroups many times in their lives, and it depends on what their age is, what their sex is, and the role that they have for the overall colony. So the males are much larger than the females, and they dominate when it comes to the social structure of the sea lions. They form harems of up to 30 females that they will mate with, and then they have their own domain within a larger colony, and they take care of all of those. And they fiercely defend their domain, as well as the females and the offspring that are in it. Now, the females that come into a harem are probably already going to be pregnant from the previous mating season. So that's, they're like coming into the new guy's harem with babies from somebody at some other male. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. And so that's funny. But they have a, also a delayed impregnation process. So it's a couple of months before the embryo actually attaches to the placenta. So that's sort of interesting. It's I guess it must just work better for them overall as a species. It's not necessarily about the male getting his genes out into as many as possible. It seems like it's more about just making it as many as possible. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, we, yeah. we talk a lot about animals who like mate for life or have only, you know, one one or two partners to make little little animals with and the sea lions are not that at all. No. Nope. Nope. <laughs> nope. Nope. They just, they're interested in making copies, as many yep. as possible. <laughs> <laughs> yep. But after the males leave the harem behind, the females often continue in their subgroup, and they form a bond based on the fact that they have little ones to care for, or that they are carrying babies. And so they generally aren't aggressive toward each other, even though they're sharing just one dude. And they strive to care for each other when the male goes off and they no longer have him to offer them protection. So they also help each other care for their babies. And 
the females that have the little ones will keep them for at least the first year, and after that, the yearlings form their own little subgroups. <laughs> huh. Yeah, they wrestle and play, and they hang out, and they seem to be a little more fun to watch than the rest because they're so... They're so little and cute still, you know, compared yeah. to the others. <laughs> They're still pretty big, but <laughs> but yeah, and they hang out together and stuff. So while all this is happening, there are subgroups of the females that aren't mating at the time, and they hang out together for a while. And those that are too young to mate will be together. And then there will be groups of others that are too old to mate anymore. So they have senior citizen groups <laughs> oh, <laughs> in no. sea lion colonies. <laughs> Oh no! Isn't that cool? They have their own little sea older sea lion colony. Oh, <laughs> where they're playing sea lion pickleball and yeah. eating dinner at three thirty in the afternoon. Dominoes. I don't know. Stuff. Dominoes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and they want to know when their stories are going to be on. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It is interesting because the only the most dominant males get a chance to mate. So, you know. They have to be at least 10 years of age before they can start earning the right to mate with the females. And uh, those that don't form harems, they're little so single guy uh, subgroups of all of their own. <laughs> oh, my goodness. And then they have a little social hierarchy within those. So Wow. And they're always challenging each other, trying to climb up the social ladder and stuff like that. So pretty huh. interesting. That's um, super interesting. Yep, they still don't know as much about them as I think we'd be comfortable to say. We know a lot about sea lions. We know little about them. But, I mean, you can only really observe them in situations easily when they're on shore in these big floaty pods and stuff, you know. It's not when they're out doing other stuff, it's harder to know what's going on. So I've read some things about how social dynamics actually change when they're out in the sea hunting. Like the females might be a little more aggressive toward each other when they're out at sea. So, But mm -hmm. again, difficult to say quite yet. It just There's less information about them than you would think. So, yeah. Pretty interesting. And they're loud the whole time. They are so loud and they're stinky. They're all just yelling at each other the whole time. <laughs> and they're so stinky. <laughs> <laughs> you can smell them from very far away. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I've been to California and smelled the sea lion. The sea lion smell is pretty... It's pretty distinct. You're like, it's well, very there's, distinctive. There's yes. sea lions down there, I bet. Yep. <laughs> hey. Oh, you said you can do a good sea lion sound, so yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just, I can't do it. Just that times 4,000. That's what sea lions sound like. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to do my sea lion voice, and then I'm just going to like do it about eight or ten times and just layer them over. <laughs> And I'm gonna and I'm I'm gonna put it right here. <laughs> That's what that sounds like. <laughs> I'm gonna talk a little bit about thermoregulation real quick. Yeah. And that that is the ability of an organism to keep its body temperature within certain boundaries or within a certain range. And all mammals do this. We put on layers and we eat food, and that's how we do our own thermoregulation. 
And uh, sea lions have to do this too because they swim in very, very cold waters. Yes. So they do have a layer of blubber that acts as an insulator. I, and I, this is something I learned. Blubber is not just fat. Oh, no. No, I did not know that. Blubber is like a very complex matrix of collagen and also fat. There's there's fat in there, but it, there's there's more than just fat. Or adipose mm-hmm. tissue is going to be the uh, the technical term for that. Yeah. So that, that insulates the sea lion, but it also keeps them buoyant. Yes. They have very thick fur that traps the warm air near the body, which that helps keep the sea lion's core body temperature right around 100 degrees Fahrenheit. If the water is very, very cold, that fur and blubber are sometimes not enough to maintain that core temperature. So they have to maintain that body temperature somehow. Now, if they're close enough to land, they'll just go up on shore and they'll get a little bit of sun and they'll they'll warm right up. But if they're not near the shore, they have to do that with parts of their bodies that are not covered in fur or blubber, which are their flippers. Yes. So if a sea lion is getting too cold and they can't immediately get to land to dry off and sun themselves, they will stick one or more of these flippers up out of the water. So those flippers are large, they're thin, and they're very, very dark colored, so the sun can very, very quickly warm up those flippers. And that warms up the blood and the blood vessels within the flipper, and then that heat is transferred into the sea lion's body. So if you see a sea lion, and he's floating there, and he looks like he's waving hello to you, he might be waving hello to you, but he's 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 probably regulating his body temperature is what he's yeah. doing. Yeah, I think that's more likely than him waving hi to you. Yeah. <laughs> Although I, it would be nice to think otherwise, but yeah. <laughs> he's just going, I'm cold. Hello, I'm cold. <laughs> He's doing the equivalent of what I did today when I I was cold, so I went and took a hot shower, and then I was cold again because I had wet hair. So I had to use a hairdryer. I had to stick my flipper out of the water. <laughs> oh, goodness. Silly sea lions. They're the best. They're great. Disclaimer time. The Vomits Podcast knows it's not fair to compare animal intelligence to human intelligence. But then, Donna and Paul only have the yardstick of themselves, so they're going to do it anyway. Holy moly, sea lions are smart. I had no idea until I did the research for this episode. I know they are. They're smarty pants. They are. I'm going to talk a little bit about it in our little bonus animal fact at the end there, but gosh, on a scale of 1 to 10, I, I would give them like an 8. Yeah, I mean, they're not tool users, so... They're not tool you know, users, there's but... There's a dividing line there, but, uh, but yeah, they are pretty darn smart. I saw a guy uh, video watching a video about people doing research on stellar sea lions, and they don't have them captive. They just, they just fit the wild ones with equipment and send them out to collect information and stuff, and... They just come and hang out. They're they're like, now nah, they won't do stuff just to please you. You have to pay them in fish. <laughs> right. But they will absolutely, they'll do tons of things for you that you would never think that they would do just if you give them some fish. Yeah. And they figure out how to do things very quickly. So oh, yeah. They can, they can, like, they can grok how a tool is used. You know what I mean? Yes. Like, they can tell that, like, if they're trying to isolate them in a wave pool to get a measurement of some sort, they can tell how to use it 
how to do what they're asking them to do like right away. Mm-hmm. So even if it isn't something they thought of themselves, they they're super smart. They can figure it out quick, yeah. quickly. So yep. But you gotta pay. You gotta pay. Sea lion currency is fish, and they're they're not doing nothing without that. So yeah, <laughs> I, I, I read, don't blame them. <laughs> I, me neither. I read two articles. One of them was about a sea lion called Rio, and this was back from like 1993, mm-hmm. and they observed this sea lion using logic like and you know a equals b and Mm -hmm. b equals c therefore a equals c Mm -hmm. that kind of thing which kind of was blowing these scientists minds because that's not really what they were going for but they saw it anyway and then there was another article i read about a sea lion called ronin who engaged in rhythmic entrainment which is a fancy way of saying dancing it was dancing to music (laughs) cool it would just and there's a video of it and it's so cool. It's I think they're playing it. I, f- I forget what song they're playing. The sea line, but it's just bouncing up and down. It's bouncing their its head around, with no reward. Mm-hmm. It's just the music's on and and he's getting down. He or she, I don't know what Ronan is. Yeah, really, really cool. And they, and that's another thing is dancing is seen in like your animals that have higher intelligence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I give him an eight. Yeah, I don't know. I think I I think I'd go with a seven. To me, eight is you need to be using a tool. So, but that's totally arbitrary. That's totally not, arbitrary. Or... Completely unscientific and meaningless. It's just my own little dumb scale of life. <laughs> if you are an eight, if you're an eight, you are using a tool. You know, if you are a nine, you are perhaps getting close to using a tool to make a tool, right? Mm-hmm. And then after that, it's humans who are smart enough to like destroy our own environment <laughs> <laughs> yeah geez, like, nobody else is that smart you know? oh so, boy but uh but uh yeah for me it's totally arbitrary it's just that's where my scale is so i would say seven they're like 7.5 7.75 somewhere in there like i wouldn't be surprised if somebody spotted some tool use at some point and we just haven't seen it yet so i can go along with the 7.5 you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I can I can get on board with that. Like, a, there could be a group of sea lions that are doing stuff like using sponges to protect themselves while they're hunting, like that group of dolphins does, you know? Mm-hmm. And so there could be some sort of behavior that we just haven't observed. But but for me, it's like a hard eight is tool use, for sure, that we know about. But Yeah. So, yeah. So I can I'm go saying, along with that. Yeah, 7.5, 7. Point whatever. So Sure. Dumb, arbitrary scale of meaninglessness, 7.5. Yeah, it's fun to do, though. They're smart. We're going to do it anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they are smarty pants, and they don't even wear pants. <laughs> Yay! Well, we are going to talk about sea lions and a couple other things, but not until I tell you about Patreon. Patreon.com slash varmints. Every month, a handful of people donate some money to us, and we really, really do appreciate it. We are using that money to bring a little video series about that's just going to be just for the Patreon supporters, and it's going to be really fun, and I have the equipment coming in today. Yep. So, And we're going to have bonus content. We're going to have early releases of episodes. You can get stickers. You can get special edition 
stuff. There's all kinds of bonus goodies if you join our Patreon, patreon.com slash varmints. If you're already there, thank you so much for giving us a dollar or two every month. And you only need to give us a dollar. A dollar a month gets you a lot of stuff. So, yeah, go check it out. Excellent. Excellent. Yes. Hey there, everyone. Paul and Don are a couple of nerds just like you. And they don't get to see animals up close and in person very often. So let's talk about where we all see them most of the time. On movies, TV, comic books, toys and video games. Well, my pop culture pick this week is not a movie or a TV or a video game. It is a place where you can go to watch sea lions, and you heard about it at the beginning of the show. It is Pier 39 in San Francisco. Yeah. Pier 39 is a shopping center and tourist attraction built on a pier in San Francisco, and there is a marina with boat docks there. In September of 1989, 11 boats were moved from their docks so that those docks could be refurbished. Well, then the Loma Prieta earthquake hit San Francisco in October of 1989, just a month later, and a few California sea lions began hauling out on Pier 39's K-deck. Hauling out means temporarily leaving the water for mating or in between periods of feeding to stay safe from predators. By January 1990, several more sea lions arrived and completely took over K-dock, and the owners of those 11 docks were not happy at all. (laughs) So the marina staff turned to the Marine Mammal Center, which is an organization devoted to the rescue and rehabilitation of marine mammals, not just sea lions. And they wanted advice about their new slippery little tenants. After a lot of debate and a lot of research, the experts from the Marine Mammal Center advised that the docks should be abandoned and that the sea lions should stay put in their new home. There is a plentiful supply of food from the bay, and it's an environment that is protected from predators, so it is perfect for sea lions. And within a few short months, the number of sea lions grew to more than 300, and it hit an all-time record of 1,701 sea lions in November of 2009. Wow. Even though the number of sea lions at K-Dock rises and falls fairly dramatically, depending on the seasons, depending on the available food supply and natural migration patterns, there are regular sea lions that visit. Many of them are recognizable to researchers. Some of them even have names. And it's a really good place for marine mammal scientists to go to collect information about sea lion health, dietary habits, and behavior. And it's a tourist attraction. If you are in San Francisco, you can go view the sea lions at Pier 39 almost all year round. They do disappear for June and July to go to a nearby breeding ground to make more little sea lions. It went from something that was a nuisance and they didn't know what they were going to do about it and then they just kind of embraced it and made it into a little tourist attraction. Right. Yeah, it's really cool. I would love to go see it sometime. Me too. And I have buddies who live in San Francisco that I could visit as well so I'd have an excuse to go. I'm going to visit you to the <laughs> sea lands, but but I'm but I'm I'm totally going to visit you, not just to see the sea lions. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, what I'm going to talk about is this this awesome place called the Sea Dock Society. The Sea Dock Society—they are really cool. 
tell you a little bit about them. They are a little group whose mission is to ensure the health of marine wildlife and their ecosystems through science and education. And what they do is they conduct and sponsor scientific research in the inland water of the Pacific Northwest, also known as the Salish Sea. This little ecosystem is home to 37 species of mammals and 172 species of birds, 253 species of fish, and more than 3,000 species of invertebrate. And nearly 8 million people make the region their home. And billions of dollars are generated by Salish Sea commercial and recreational activities. So they do all of this research and amazing stuff out there, and they make these little mini documentaries that they put on their website. And one of them is called Stellar Sea Lions, the Grizzlies of the Sea. And it is really cool. It's a little 11 minute, 45 second YouTube, <laughs> available <laughs> on YouTube documentary about going out to observe some of the stellar sea lions. And it is really special, really nice. Here's a little clip of they were sitting in the ocean waiting just waiting for the sea lions to come and check them out. And they were like, oh, we're all alone. Not so much. Here's the clip. <laughs> A few minutes later, we suddenly have the feeling we're being watched. <laughs> At first, they're wary. Seems like this one is a scout sent to look us over while the others hang back. The first thing you notice about stellar sea lions underwater is how amazingly graceful they are. Us divers need about 100 pounds of complicated gear to turn us into a temporary form of marine mammal. But when you see the real thing, literally flying circles around you, you realize that even the best divers are pale imitation. After a couple of tentative flybys, the signal apparently goes out that we're okay, and a whole herd of sea lions dives down to check us out up close. Really close. <laughs> really, really close. There's a sea lion with his nose right in the camera. <laughs> really neat little videos, and they have all sorts of stuff that goes on in the Salish Sea over there. I highly recommend you go and check it out. Pretty amazing stuff. Yeah. Really good work. I love his delivery, too. He's so calm and chill. Yeah. He's like, oh, they're really close. Oh, very, very, very close. Really? Oh, my goodness. Yeah, because they are huge. So it's, yeah. it's like, oh. I know. I'd be like, and then later in the video, there's like 20 of them. They're like, hey, what's going on? Like, oh, my gosh. Oh. It's like being swamped by 20 enormous dogs. <laughs> like, you know. Wow, it sounds like it sounds fun, but it's probably a little scary, you know. <laughs> yeah, that is neat. Amazing. All right, so yeah, definitely go check that out. What's the matter with you? Aren't you hungry? Aren't you gonna <laughs> mm -hmm. eat that? Come on, eat. <laughs> I I would I I don't. They just seem like they would be very oily and fishy. Mm, yeah. I mean, nah. no. Mm. 
they're yeah. protected as well. So yeah. even though there's a bunch of them, they're still they're like alligators in Florida. They're protected. You can't yeah. mess with them. Yeah. But they just don't seem like ugh. No, I don't know. If I was a <laughs> shark, I would eat them. Oh yeah. But it doesn't seem like good people food. So no. Me. No, it does not. <laughs> not in the food box. Nope. Nope. And you notice that people don't really... I mean, I bet some... In, I, I guess probably some indigenous people probably eat some of them. Well, know? it's funny that you say that because they did a study about seals and sea lions. And they found out that tuberculosis likely spread from humans in Africa to seals and sea lions, which brought the disease to South America... And then that was transmitted to native people before Europeans landed on the continent. Hmm. So they will get you sick if you try to eat them. Hmm. So there's that, too. Hmm. Okay. Yep. And this was from a study done in 2014. Hmm. Yep. Yeah, well. Yet another reason that they are not in the food box. Yeah. Not for me, anyway. Nope. Hmm. <laughs> Hey, Paul and Donna. It's me, Vlad Somptonovsky. <laughs> I guarantee you I can help you win your next trivia night. Or at the very least, make you the smartest person in the room. All I gotta do is share with you this, the animal fact of the week. Today I'm gonna tell you about Herschel the sea lion. Once upon a time, in 1916, the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers built the Ballard Locks in Washington State which is an artificial channel that acts as a passageway for boats moving in between the Puget Sound and Lake Washington, and it separates saltwater from freshwater. This structure also forces migrating steelhead trout to funnel into a narrow alleyway so that they can go upriver to spawn. California sea lions were driven away from that area by hunters and fishermen until in 1972 the Marine Mammal Protection Act protected the sea lions and then their populations started to recover again. And pretty soon, sea lions began to appear in Puget Sound again, but there was one particular sea lion that ventured all the way up to the Ballard Locks. The story goes that an old fisherman spotted the sea lion with its long whiskers and said, Hey, that looks like a guy called Herschel that I used to work with down at the docks, and then the name stuck. Herschel stationed himself at the Oceanside entrance to the locks where the steelhead trout would enter to go to their freshwater spawning sites. And he did what sea lions do. He stuffed himself with these fish. Pretty soon, other young males that hadn't established harems yet joined Herschel. So from mid-November until March, Herschel and his buddies would just gorge themselves on these fish. One newspaper account from 1985 said that Herschel could kill 13 fish in an hour and 20 minutes. So that's about one fish every six minutes. And that was just Herschel. <laughs> and even when he was full, he would just rip the eggs out of the females and discard the rest of the fish. So the steelhead trout population was being decimated. And because of the Marine Mammal Protection Act, only non-lethal deterrents could be used against the sea lions. Right. So they tried underwater firecrackers, which would chase the sea lions away temporarily, but they would return as soon as the explosions stopped. And they even learned that if they swam erratically, they could avoid getting hit directly by these firecrackers. There was an underwater speaker system that produced high-pitched 
pinging sounds, and the sea lions just sort of habituated to that. There were audio tracks of squeaks and chirps from killer whales. That didn't work. There was a life-size fiberglass killer whale called Fake Willy that was put into the water, and the sea lions did not take that seriously at all. <laughs> well. <laughs> the wildlife managers tried feeding the sea lions steelhead trout stuffed with a chemical that makes sea lions vomit, but they quickly began to associate humans in yellow suits with bad fish. Uh-oh. A barrier net was tried that didn't work. Shooting the animals with rubber-tipped arrows didn't work. And people just really started to get fed up with these sea lions. So wildlife managers tagged and captured 39 sea lions from just outside of the ship canal leading to the docks, and they dropped them off along the outer coast of Washington State. 29 of them came right back. (laughs) Eventually, in 1994, an amendment to the Marine Mammal Protection Act allowed the lethal taking of individually identifiable pinnipeds, which are having a significant negative impact on the decline or recovery of fishery stocks. Mm-hmm. Which meant you could start shooting these guys, but nobody shot them. Nobody killed these sea lions. Right. They were just trapped and they were taken very, very, very far away. Some of them were taken actually to SeaWorld here in Orlando, Florida. Hmm. Nobody really knows what happened to Herschel. But nobody has seen a steelhead trout enter Lake Washington since 2009. Huh. So they really did a number on those those steelhead trout. Sure. But a couple of positive things came out of all of that. And uh, one of them was that nobody handled large adult California sea lions before they started showing up at the locks. And so that has helped scientists better understand California sea lions. They, there was a lot as far as their feeding and their size that they really didn't know or that they underestimated. And so because these sea lions started showing up and they were they were being trapped, it gave them a, a chance to really give them a good hard look at them. And they learned a lot about them. The other thing good it did is that it forced people to not place all the blame on the sea lions because they're just being sea lions and they're showing up where all the fish is at and can you blame them? Exactly. Yeah, so it's making people look a little more closely at things like overfishing and the impacts of human-built environments on streams and estuaries, which are all things that are having really a far greater impact on steelhead trout than a group of sea lions. But it Mm -hmm. took Herschel and his buddies to kind of make people see that and think that. Yeah, interesting stuff. Very cool. Well, I have a story to tell. Oh, you have a story. Just a little story. Sea lion stories today. Mm-hmm. This is a shorter story. <laughs> That's all right. The Lincoln Park Zoo in Chicago has a storied history of little animal escapes. <laughs> <laughs> so in 1880, they had... Uh, several, I think it was like 19 sea lions at the Lincoln Park Zoo. <laughs> and two of them hopped over a wire fence. One of them sauntered over to Clark and Armitage, and they went into a restaurant called Madame Raggio's Restaurant. <laughs> 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 
and then the uh, zookeepers were able to rope the escapee, and then he followed the light of their lanterns, but about halfway back to the zoo, it wouldn't go any further, so they had to feed him fish. <laughs> I, like you say, they don't do anything without fish. Yeah, into a crate. Uh, yeah, they, they gave him some fish to get into a large wooden crate and took him back that way. Oh, the other okay. one headed toward a circus, but he eventually <laughs> wandered back to the zoo. He was like, ah, whatever. I don't want to go to the circus. <laughs> so their sea lion enclosure, at, it, now, to this day, they, they have never been successful at keeping sea lions there. It's just not, they, they can get out too easy. So they just have a couple of seals there now. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's cool. Yeah, it is really fun. How are they Very getting fun. out? Did I miss... Did I miss They just any? jumped over the wire fence. They just jumped over the fence? They just yep. jumped over the fence? Yep. What Oops. the heck, man? We're done. Going over the fence. Bye. <laughs> We're going to the pub. See you later. <laughs> or that restaurant, that mama, what is that called? Yeah, it was yeah. like a bar restaurant. <laughs> oh my they goodness. Went to the bar. They were like, We're going to the bar. See ya. Whatever. <laughs> See you guys. <laughs> wow. Yeah. It was fun. Cool. Yeah, that zoo has a lot of really fun little stories, and it is the one where our the brain of the show, Dr. Seth, works. Yes. yes. And it's free. And it's free. You can go to Chicago and wander around the zoo and It's lovely. Maybe you'll run into Dr. Seth. You might. You never know. You might. You just never know. <laughs> Hey, thanks everybody again for listening to this podcast. We really do appreciate it. This podcast was brought to you with technical support by Matthew Chomo, bed music by Kevin McLeod. Our logo was created by the talented Imran Javed. Our vocal talent today was Carrie McGinnis, Chris Brayton, Chris Green, Jennifer Chomo, and Stacy and Frosty. Uh, it's time for the Rugrat Corner. If you have a Rugrat who is eight years of age or younger and wants to be on our podcast, send us a message on Facebook or email us at farmspodcast at gmail.com for details. We make it very easy for you and your Rugrat to hear their little voice on our podcast. Who do we have this week? This week we have Stevie. Stevie has something to say about sea lions. Hey Stevie, where do sea lions live? Hmm. I don't know why. Well, you said sea lions if there's a scene where they live underwater. Good job. Do they live in the <laughs> ocean or a lake? Hmm. I don't know. Well, lakes got rocks and rivers that go down that might. And that. There's rocks, so they might hit our chin and might make them bleed, but I don't think sea lions bleed, so. What do you say? <laughs> where do you think they live? Do you think sea lions live in the ocean or a river? Which one? Ocean. There you go. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Oceans you... are better. Yeah, oceans are cool. Oceans are cool. And so is Stevie. Stevie's cool, too. Yeah, for sure. Thank you, Stevie. Yes, thank you. And her mom is Jamie. You heard her there. Jamie is the host of the Murderish podcast, which is a true crime podcast. Yes. So uh, go check that out. That sounds good. Thanks, everybody, again for listening. And until next time. Be nice to animals. I don't think I can do it. It's an it's an inhale thing. You got to inhale it, and you can't exhale it. <laughs> <laughs>
a fish. Ooh, 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 ooh. <laughs> this has been a transmission of the Podfix Network. For more about this show and other great Podfix programs, go to podfixnetwork.com.